football frenzy. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Silver Sevens on a Thursday. We're getting ready for Thursday night football. The Browns and the Steelers. Let's give away tickets right now. 364-1100, 7 Brew, October Fest is in town. October 2nd is when it closes down, but how about we give you the start? September 29th, October 2nd, four-day festival, two tickets. It's Oktoberfest. You look it up for all the information, Oktoberfest.vegas. You get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. 7 Brew, Oktoberfest, 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 7. Ari's got a pair of tickets for you right now. I'm thinking you believe that some college football rivalries are getting soft. Kind of. You pointed something out with NC State and North Carolina, and I wonder if this kid was forced to apologize. This seems sort of petty. He had to have been. So Drake May, who, who – if you haven't watched the play yet, Drake May is actually pretty solid for North Carolina. Um, He's very a much, Sam Howell replacement. Yep, uh, he is very much worth watching. But on Tuesday, um, he, in media availability, took a shot at uh, U- uh, NC State, uh, apparently saying uh, that essentially it was easy to get into NC State, that people who go to NC State just couldn't get into UNC. That was the shot. That was it. He was forced to apologize. Said, I made a remark today about NC State. I want to apologize. I was answering a question about playing in state. It said something I shouldn't have. I said it as a joke. Come on, but it was inappropriate. I feel bad and need to do better. Can I just say, okay, first off, you should apologize for one of the lamest shots taken at an in state rival. That was weak, okay? Steve, wasn't wasn't it Jimmy Lake last year? who took a shot at Oregon. It was the same kind of thing as he was scuffling, and I'm basically on the way out. He, he, he leaned on the academic crutch and was like, well, you know, we're about academics here at Washington, right. and Oregon is all football. Right. Apologize! That's out of control! Like, no, don't apologize. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it out right now. One of the things I say all the time, right, about UNLV and the other enemies to the north, because uh, most people think immediately of Nevada. We're not um, in this hour. I... I talk about it all the time that um, UNLV, when they go and play teams from Utah, it's good versus evil. And we know who the evil side is. What? Apologize. No. The pious people of Utah? No. They're scumbags. No. No, I'm not apologizing. (laughs) Right. You can do a little trash talk in the world of sports. They're rivalries. Cut it out. The hillbillies up north, as we call it, like it's all the time. Oh, please stop! Yeah, well, I'll stop next hour. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, and here's the thing: I'm going to say this, Steve. Our society it's gotten soft. In this case, I don't like the direction has. we're heading. The best way, when, when when stuff is very minimal and really not hurtful, the best way to address a demand for apology is to ignore it. <laughs> yes, but maybe maybe it was executive, right? Maybe it was one of like stop. an SID or something like that. Hey, man. You got to apologize right now. You got to put out this fight. Let's be nicer in this rivalry. Get out of here. Arizona State, the athletic department is a friggin' disaster. I'm not apologizing. This latest story. Steve, how could you? We've already seen that school go through some troubles, big troubles, with allegations during the COVID year. Five football coaches blown out because essentially lack of institutional control. Herm Edwards. Stayed around, 
the latest round of Herm stuff, this is absurd. And that, that culture, and I, I'm sorry, a lot of this lands at the doorstep of Ray Anderson, who was a revolutionary hire as a former agent or an agent um, to take over an athletic department. This is why when you look at some athletic departments and things run amok, and you're like, that person has no experience doing this, these are not easy jobs. And there has to be a lot of departmental control, and they've once again lost control, and they're being embarrassed in public. And uh, listen, I, I saw a video after the game last week when they lost to Eastern Michigan, and it almost looked like Ray Anderson and I don't know who else was there talking to Herm Edwards on the field like they were telling him right then, sir, I think this is done. Yeah. Like I don't know if they fired him on the field, but the stuff now that's out there about Herm and the program, this is terrible. So apparently Herm, it got to the point where he was so disliked and he was, we should put some context around this. He, he was super stubborn in the way that he would be running things, and he didn't really know a lot of the nuance of being a head coach in college football. Shocking. Uh, there are stories in the original piece from The Athletic, uh, which is really good and very much worth the read. It was written by Doug Holler, where there were actually people in, like, recruiting moments, right, that were chasing him around. Like, he would offer to take pictures in public moments, things like that, where he's not allowed to. And they would have to stop him. Be like, Herm, you're not allowed to do that, man. Don't do that. We can get in trouble for it. We'll be chased around by people who knew the rules because he had no idea. Antonio Pierce, former NFLer, a guy he knows very well. He got onto a staff very early. At one point, amassed so much power that all the decisions ran through him. So if you wanted to get something through Herm, you had to go through AP, as he called him. And if you disagreed, you were told to, quote, stay in your lane. Like, it was crazy. And it got to the point where some opposing coaches alleged that getting intel about the Sun Devils was actually something easy because people wanted Edwards fired. They would get intel yep. from people on the staff about the game plan because they wanted Edwards out of there. It's one of the real telltale signs when there's leaks and leaks of this nature right. that the athletics department or a specific sport has completely lost control. They were leaking out intel about the program. Yep. And, and, um, he, and here's the thing, and I was actually, because I kind of forgot about some of these, he, like, from an on-field standpoint, 26-20, six top 25 wins, never lost to Arizona. On the surface, that's not terrible. You, you want more out of Arizona State, I think, but it's not a terrible on-field product. But when you see a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, that's kind of a problem. I mean, when you have, like, for examples, I think it was, like, Jaden Daniels' mom, like, getting in, um, you know, who's now the quarterback, by the way, over at LSU. But it was a Regina Jackson, the mother of Daniels, who had to help, who helped book and finance flights for high school recruits uh, that they weren't allowed to. Like, things like that that were just totally rampant and out of control while he was there. Well, near and dear to uh, our heart, you know, I think it was last year or the year before, the sideline reporter for Arizona State, a former Sun Devil player on a podcast, uh, Jordan Simone, was criticizing the program, just saying right now, you know, this was last year, uh, saying it was a, just a complete S show and that week fired. Yep. Yep. Was he right? Yeah, he probably he was. More than probably. Can you sue for your job back, by the way? I was right. And remember, the basketball program has had a ton of, of transfers in and out. Hurley has been, you know, close to going bye-bye, but I think they have so much money invested in him that he stayed around, but he's no sweetheart. It, no, and, and these are all these are all Ray Anderson guys. They are, and at the end of the day, it is disappointing because in that market, Arizona State should be quality programs in both basketball and football. Yes. They would should you, be very good. Would you take if you, if you're a big-named coach? I saw a good list the other day, some guys who are out right now. Although this dude's kind of, you know, character question. But, like, Tom Herman's available. He is a good coach. But if 
if you're a, if you're an up and coming, like just say they in conference, Arizona State, look north and are like, hey, this Jonathan Smith guy is really good at Oregon State. We're gonna steal him. If you're if you you have a good job right now, right. would you go work for Ray Anderson in Arizona State? Absolutely not. Right? You're I'm better not off staying at Oregon job. State. Yeah, I'm gonna stay here until something better comes along because your program's a nightmare behind the scenes. I got to bring something up about sports talk radio shows and football. And, you know, as I mentioned all the time, hot take, hot shots. And, you know, we all fall into traps sometimes, I think, overreacting on certain situations. The, I, the audience, a lot of it likes it. Um, but, man, there's a, a lack of knowledge sometimes on stories, and you can hear it. And you were mentioning, I, I really haven't seen anything from the Levitard show in forever since they went exclusively podcast and you were telling me a little while ago that you were listening to an effort to do hardcore football talk and that's not really what they do and it's a great show it is it's one of the great ensemble shows i enjoy it there is we but we're both big fans but uh what were they talking about the other day was it something with josh allen and you're like what are you what are you speaking of how nobody knew that josh allen was athletic how him as a runner took the league by surprise no. and that he was a statue no. in the pocket in college. No. And if you no, were... and for us that's close to home because he's a Mountain West guy and we watched him run and then it, you know it's even more sort of overwhelming when you see a guy who's 6'5 and 235 move like he did in college. Uh, listen, was he rushing for 2500 yards in college? No, but he rushed for almost 770 yards during his collegiate career with 12 touchdowns. He was never a statue. That's just factually incorrect. And you were explaining what happens sometimes when you don't bring in lots of different voices week to week to talk football. Oh, you get into a bubble, and you just kind of reach this echo chamber point where you're all just talking at each other, and there's nobody to really call you out on something or, or even just bring in knowledge that you just didn't even know. It's not, there's nothing wrong with not knowing it. No. It's just declaratively stating that nobody knew that this was going to happen. When, that, what, that's horrific. That's horrific. And remember that draft, by the way. Lamar Jackson came out. There was a joke that there was a quarterback in that draft that was not really accurate as a passer and probably needed to consider a shift because of his, his athleticism to tight end. It was Josh Allen. It wasn't Lamar Jackson. My comparison early in his career because of inaccuracy but athleticism and the ability to run at that size – Josh Allen equaled Vince Young. Yeah. I'm not saying he's as good a runner as Vince Young was, you know, in college, but that come on. You just said it. Yeah. It wasn't his, his athleticism, it was his accuracy. Come on, everybody. What are we doing here? It's gotta be a little bit better. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. No. But you you know, you have to be willing to I'm wrong all the time. You just gotta be willing to open yourself up to being wrong and taking the information from other people because we don't know everything. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Raisin Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. You just got to lock in and, and demand it from yourself. Every player, you got to learn how to put the foot on the gas and, for lack of better words, break their necks. You know, when, when you got them in a the corner like that, I mean, that's the way that, that I've learned to play the game, and that's the way that I hope that this team will play the game. And, you know, part of it is just keeping that mindset, never getting comfortable. You got to have it in your mind and then go out there and follow up with the way you play. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Devontae Adams on Derek Carr and rebounding after an 0-2 start. We want to get into the interesting week in the AFC and around the NFL, get some picks, some analysis, 
as JBT and Cofield are live here at Silver Sevens, Flamingo and Paradise. Longtime writer Barry Wilner is up with us here on this Thursday. Barry, how you doing? Doing well, guys. How's it going out there? Uh, well, if you're a Raiders fan, it's not going that well. I'm not a Raiders fan, but uh, here locally, people are starting to freak out. What are you seeing so far with the Raiders as they're now 0-2? History says you go 0-3, you're in real bad shape, and they got a game coming up against the Titans. So what are you seeing with the Raiders? I'm very disappointed in the Raiders. I think they're one of the most disappointing teams in the league so far. I was really high in them going into the season. But what we're seeing are too many turnovers, too many splash plays by the opposition, and real inconsistency everywhere. It's not just one element. I guess maybe Daniel Carlson, you can't uh, uh, be down on him. But the rest of the team and the coaching staff, it's just been so inconsistent. And that's the way you lose games. And, uh, you know, they're playing a team now with the Titans who are maybe in even worse uh, shape than the uh, the Raiders have been so far. But remember, the Titans are in a weak division, and the Raiders are in the best division in football. So what do you make of this spot this weekend for Las Vegas? Uh, because it does seem like the market might be a little out of whack here. Raiders are a road favorite against the Titans uh, in the range of like one and a half, two. Well, this is a weird week because I think there's either nine or ten road favorites this week. There's a lot of matchups with good teams at bad teams. But this is a matchup of two teams that are really struggled. I, I kind of favor the Raiders in this game. I think they're going to win the game, and the spread is not crazy. Uh but they have to get some pass pressure because if you get pass pressure on the Titans, you're going to beat them because everyone goes in trying to stop Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry cannot beat you alone. Uh, I think if the Raiders can get some of that pressure and not turn over the ball, that is such a key for this team. I think they can win this game. So common theme for two teams in the AFC West have been really poor starts. It's also pretty poor for Nathaniel Hackett and the Denver Broncos. Before we get to their matchup with San Francisco, what have you made of Hackett's performance as a head coach so far and some of his decision-making? If I said mediocre, I'd probably be <laughs> overestimating it. It's been awful. And uh, you know what bothers me as much as the decision-making and, and the fact that they draw these penalties uh, by not being ready to uh, play I don't think that his offense it either doesn't fit what Russell Wilson does best or they're not calling the plays for Russell Wilson to do his best or Wilson's just not comfortable there. And that's the worst thing because you just traded for this guy, you signed him to a huge contract, and he's your future. And you bring in a coach who maybe doesn't fit right with Russell Wilson. So now we have a similar situation. The Broncos, though, are the home team. And they're taking on a 49ers team that I actually, like, when you came into the season, you looked at some of the betting markets, Barry. The 49ers were a highly rated team, and it seems that the market has upgraded them with the switch at quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think they should be road favorites here against Denver? Yeah, they're actually one of my better bets this week. Uh, the reason is being that defense is very stout. It may be the best defensive uh, front seven in football. And I think that's going to give problems to, to Denver. I don't think the 49ers are, are worried about the altitude or anything like that. Um, and Jimmy G is going to be steady, and, and that's what they need out of this offense. He's got weapons he knows how to use. Evo Samuel is one of the most versatile weapons in the game. Uh, Brenda Ayuk had a tremendous uh, preseason and is playing well now in, in the regular season. And it looks like they may get George Kittle back, which is a very, very big uh, addition for that team. So I, I'm really high this week and for much of the season on the 49ers. 
Los Angeles Chargers are an interesting spot. They are a seven-point favorite at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Barry Wilner's with us, by the way, NFL writer for Bet Online, uh, going through some of these AFC West matchups. We did get news today uh, that Justin Herbert practiced in a limited fashion. I would assume he's going to play Barry. It's just you know a pain tolerance thing, and whether or not he's going to be able to deal with it. I assume he's going to be out there though. Uh, this number's gone from nine at the open down to seven with a total of forty-seven and a half. What do you think the impact here is uh, from Herbert, the injury, and what do you make of Jacksonville? I do think that the, the line is uh, all because of what's going on with Herbert and the fact that they've got some injuries elsewhere. You know, Keenan Allen's banged up, and um, Austin Eckler hasn't really been able to get started. They've got some issues on an offensive line that really, when we went into the season, we thought would be quite good. Um, I like the Jaguars in this game. It wouldn't shock me if the Jaguars win this game. They have so much better coach this year, um, and Trevor Lawrence, uh, is so much more comfortable now than with Doug Peterson than he was with Urban Meyer. They've got some more weapons. They've spent some money uh, in the offseason, a lot of money, to upgrade the roster. Uh, now, there, there are people who are actually saying they think the Jaguars can win that division. I'm not going there at this point. But I certainly think that they're going to make this a close game. So let's go to a game that I'm involved in. I did take six and a half before it moved off of the number with Indianapolis. Colts are going to be a little bit healthier coming into this matchup with Kansas City. And, you know, I'm not sure how much Barry, obviously this is my first time talking to you, how much you follow some of the more advanced metrics and whatnot. But when you look at Patrick Mahomes and his, we'll call it putting the ball in danger, his turnover-worthy plays, he's been putting a lot of them out there. Uh, But they're dropped, they're turned over by review. I feel like the market got a little too strong here after a loss to Jacksonville for Indianapolis. This got up to seven, and now we're down to five and a half between Kansas City and Indianapolis. I think one thing you need to look at, that's, that's an interesting metric that you brought up. And uh, I think one thing you absolutely must look at, though, with Mahomes is he might be the best quarterback in the league in September. He always gets off to great starts. And he's got, um, he still has Kelsey. He still has running backs that can run and can catch the ball. His offensive line is better. Uh, the defense is so-so, but the Colts defense has been a big disappointment so far, as has, as has the offense. Uh, it's key to me here, uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. I think they'll probably cover. Uh, I think the key is if they can get some pressure on Matt Ryan, because um, Ryan is looking like not a 38-year-old quarterback, but a 48-year-old quarterback, and I don't mean a 48-year-old Tom Brady either. <laughs> uh, and I think that could be a factor in this game. It's Barry Wilner with us here on Cofield and Company. Dolphins offense surprising some people, but are they good enough to compete with the Bills? Bills lay in five, and Buffalo has just smashed the Dolphins in recent times. I think the count last year was 61-11 in the two games. Yeah, but this is also a better Dolphins team, but it's probably a better Bills team. I think the Bills are the best league right now, and I think the, the lines have shown that um, – with them being favorites for the Super Bowl, I don't know, probably since back in April those lines were established. Uh, let me ask you guys this, because I think this game is more important to the Dolphins because if they were to win, what a statement that would be by that team. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it would, especially with all the questions around Tua Tungavailoa and how good Buffaloes look. Like I was telling Steve Barry the other day, They've been downright dominant. They've only blitzed their first two opponents three times. They didn't wow. blitz Stafford once. They've been incredible so far. I, I mean, it's I, clearly a massive statement, and it clearly shows that the Dolphins can be the team a lot of people expected them to be. I think a big part of this as well 
is that um, they don't even have their best cornerback to Davies White. And yet, they're, and they've also had a bit of a banged up um, situation in the secondary safety. Yet, they're just uh, as dominant as I've seen uh, a team be early in the season in quite a while. Boy, one of the games I'm looking at, because I'm a dog player, and I think we tend to get a little too uh, loopy early on when teams look good, especially the week before. What do you think of the Eagles laying six and a half against the Commanders? I want to be on Washington, but uh, I don't exactly trust Carson Wentz, so what do we do here? <laughs> yeah, I think Ron Rivera is the only one in the league who trusts Carson Wentz. Uh, I, I, um, I've, been on, I've been high in the Eagles um, pretty much since the draft and the trades they made. Um, I, I think they have some inconsistency on defense for sure, but they're so explosive. They can really run the ball, and you can run on Washington. Um, I think you guys could run on Washington. And uh, for that reason, I, I kind of think that spread is about right. If the game was in Philly, Philly would probably be a 10 or 11 point pick in this game. Um, I like the Eagles in this game. There are some dogs I like this week, but that's not one of them. Give me another dog you like. Uh, well, I, I mentioned Jacksonville. Yeah. I, I, I like Jacksonville to, to cover. Um and when you, when you look at some of these home dogs, I mean, that, that is, again, I said it before, these these home dogs, because they're usually not as good a team playing a better team, that's why it happens. I like the Patriots uh, as a dog. Um, they play two games on the road. I don't think the Patriots are all that good this year. I'm not even sure they're a playoff team. But I think there's some real issues with the Ravens, particularly on defense. I think the Patriots will control the ball in that game. I think they'll probably win that game, not just cover Barry, thank you, man. Great picks, great analysis. We appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Thanks. There he is. Barry Wilner, 77-cent beers here tonight for Thursday Night Football. It's the Steelers and the Browns. They got the 777 uh, Double Dog Beer Chips special as well. This is a great spot to watch the Thursday Night Football game. It's Silver Sevens, Flamingo, and Paradise. Join Cofield and company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2, 4, and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and company. So UNLV football has got a big game coming up this weekend. They're not in this uh, spot very often where they're a road favorite. They haven't been a road favorite in recent times since 2016, a game where they were laying three at San Jose State. But this weekend, based on the the quick start, a couple of 50-plus point performances, game one and three, and the fact that Utah State is scuffling, got really crushed at Alabama, and then just an emotional flat spot way down against kind of a rival in-state, Weber State came in and beat them 35-7. to seven. So, I, you know, I knew uh, this spot was going to be with an extra week to prep. A tough one for UNLV, even though they're favored. Utah State's a defending conference champion. They have a really good coach in Blake Anderson. And this is interesting. On Monday, uh, Utah State announced that the game is dedicated to mental health awareness. And Blake Anderson revealed uh, we had known his son passed away. And this guy's had such a rough run from a family standpoint. His wife passed away a few years ago from cancer. And his 20-year-old son, Casey Anderson, 
they found him dead, and it turns out it was suicide. And I got to tell you, we'll 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 tweet this out. We're going to preview the game in a couple of minutes with Scotty G from Sports Radio in Salt Lake, the Zone, and he's a play-by-play guy. But Blake Anderson, the Utah State coach, spoke about this for six minutes, just sitting in front of a camera, and it's it's tough. Um, and you know he's having a tough time, but. I thought the message he sent out to people about mental health awareness and, you know, especially for males to make sure you talk to people, uh, this is really important. Our lives forever changed that morning. A piece of me and a piece of our family is gone and will never come back. Questions are all we're left. Why didn't I see it? How could I have helped more? What could I have done? I mean, he never let any of us know. There were no red flags. There were no warning signs. He always made sure to tell you that he was okay. If you are hurting, if you are dealing with dark thoughts, if you are depressed, if you're dealing with grief so heavy that you don't know what to do with it, please reach out. There are people around you that want to help you. There are people that God has put in your life that want to carry your burden. They would much rather carry your burden than carry your coffin. Mental health matters. I encourage you, if you or someone you know is hurting, step up speak out and do everything you can to help them find the resources they need terrible situation and i <laughs> applaud now i applaud blake anderson for constantly stepping up and having to speak about these tragedies in his life yeah well, that's just terrible the kid was 20 years old and he even said it we didn't play it was six minutes long uh, he even said it earlier. He's like, listen, I grew up, and a lot of us grew up in this football culture, and males in general grow up in this culture where, hey, speaking about your feelings or struggles, it's not accepted. Um, we see mainstream people. God, I, I forget who was it. Rajah Bell was calling out someone in the NBA. Oh, because yeah. Because they had mentioned mental health and kind of cracked on them, and it's like, Bruh, I mean, stop. DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love have been the two most vocal, like yep. recently, about mental health and whatnot. Yep. So, and you know, unfortunately, Paul George, another. Calvin Ridley made a terrible mistake by gambling on games while he was out last year. Well, he was out last year because he was struggling with mental health. And this also, you know, the, the mental health awareness thing, it also hits close to home for UNLV football because their starting safety is not available right now. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't think the team knows when he's coming back. He actually tweeted out, Tyson Player did, uh, about a week ago about some of the things that he's struggling with and that he went to go get help. So that's awesome. He also tweeted out last week that he was going to be medically redshirting. I haven't gotten confirmation on that. Um, You know, and you read and you can see some – I mean, maybe it's because you know that someone's going through mental health issues. You see some stuff on his Twitter account where you're like, okay, you know, maybe there's a, a reach for help. But the uh, bottom line is, and we've, we've talked about this constantly, and a Willie is very big on this, um, everyone out there, and it's males and females. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be open about it. you got to speak about it because, unfortunately, un, you know, unspeakable tragedies happen like this. And I, I applaud, again, I'll say it, I applaud Blake Anderson for doing this repeatedly and Utah State also embracing the whole thing and dedicating it to mental health awareness. And It's rough, man. A lot of people are struggling. I, I couldn't imagine losing my own son to this. Um, that's, you heart totally goes out for him. Um, I don't even know if I'd be able to have the strength to go up in front of people and talk I, like that. I, when that's, I watched the video, 
this morning for sick. I'm like, I don't know how the hell he did this. Yep. But I like I, I can't stress enough and echo all those things that you're saying. You know, I, I know somebody who lost someone who took their own life, and, and it's a heartbreaking thing. And that is the one thing I think it is very well said by everybody who says it, which is, you know, I'd rather have you call me and cry for a while and have to deal with it, or I'd rather have to do it, whatever, whatever it is, than to have to, you know, see you go in this way. There's a lot of people who care about it, a lot of people out there. And it's, and it's really easy to say just come and talk and do all that kind of stuff, but I think you're right, and I think – Talking about this sort of thing and putting it out there is so much – for future generations, it's also really important. Like I tell my son all the time, like it's okay to cry if you're not feeling right. You know, it's okay to feel those things. It's not okay to cry because you can't play the SpongeBob video game, but it's okay to cry if you're not – if you're hurting in some way or form. And to just put that out there and just say that it's okay to feel these things and to talk to people who care about you because there's a better way to do it. And there's a lot of people who care about you who don't want to see you go like that. Let's do a giveaway right now. Uh, Pink Floyd's. Roger Waters is in town October 1st, T-Mobile. You can grab tickets at AXS.com. It's a Saturday night show, October 1st, T-Mobile, Roger Waters. Tickets from Ari available on the phones, 364-1100, Caller number seven. We'll actually uh, get to the football side of things. It's been a very emotional game for a lot of reasons. We'll get to the football side of things as we talk to the uh, Utah State play-by-play guy in less than five. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pint shots and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. Brumfield drops back, looking, looking, looking. Now he scrambles to the near side. He's going to run on the sideline. He's at the 20-15-10, and he does a toe dance and dives into the end zone for a touchdown. What a scramble by Doug Brumfield. at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. It's Cofield and Company. Let's dive deeper into this UNLV-Utah State game. Russ Langer on the call there. Great job on the sidelines by John Von Tobel, who's here on Cofield and Company tonight. And of course, Caleb Herring. Is that what people are saying? Uh, I've heard a couple of compliments here and there. I, I don't mention the negative stuff to you, John. Uh, Scotty G calls the games for Utah State. This has turned into a massive game, and... First of all, Scott, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I did not expect for the buildup to this game and some of the scenarios we're going to talk about to be present. This has been a wacky season for both programs, but Utah State has not played well at times, and they're obviously going through a lot uh, off the field. I mean, the, the setup for this game, I w- never would have predicted this. No, uh, you know, you try to write the script of what a season may look like, and a uh, 35-7 loss to Weber State was nothing that I had in the crystal ball when I was putting this season together. So, yeah, this is um, – if Utah State starts the season 1-3, and three, uh, it is not a pretty picture for the future of this season. Uh, they get to 2-2 two and two with a win over UNLV, then, you know, okay, that's fine. It's not quite where you thought you'd be, but you can work with that going forward. But – yeah, this game has taken on a higher level of importance than I think we thought it would back in uh, August. Let's set up the story by going back to the Weber game. What happened? And I also want you to tell the Vegas audience about Weber State in terms of the proximity. I mean, the, these schools are pretty close to each other. Yeah, Ogden's just about, you know, 40 miles uh, south of uh, Logan. And, um, you know, they're an FCS school. They're a big sky school. And Jay Hill, who I think is, you know, uh, one of the better coaches in all of college football, let alone even the FCS ranks. Uh, he's a Kyle Whittingham disciple from the University of Utah. 
And um, he's had that program, you know, going really well for quite some time. He's been there for uh, about a decade, and he's made several trips to the FCS playoffs. And Weber State's always a really good team, but uh, not a team that you would anticipate would go to the defending Mountain West Conference champions and rough them up. And that game was just, you know, sometimes those FCS teams get those victories. There's some smoke and mirrors and some gadgets and stuff like that. That was just big boy football. They just bullied Utah State around. Um, you know, they ran the ball well. They had one uh, 19-play, nine-and-a-half-minute drive where they converted, com- uh, converted six third downs on a touchdown drive. I mean, it was just it was just big boy football, and Utah State got beat up a little bit. They were still smarting after that Alabama uh, beatdown, and so they weren't in a good place. And so now there's a lot of soul-searching going on. Talk about how the Utah State crowd reacted down the stretch in that game, and then some of the words from – coach Blake Anderson and I think one of the players also went to social media and had some things to say yeah that's been uh that storyline's kind of taken over and hopefully will go away here pretty soon but uh look you know it it fans get angry and when you're losing to an FCS team you get a little upset and uh so there was some booing going on uh from the fan base and coach Blake Anderson really felt like those boos were directed to his quarterback Logan Bonner, who suffered an ACL injury in the bowl game last year against Oregon State. That was in late December, and he's rushed back and now is playing. But uh, they say physically he's 100%, but he's just not trusting that knee, and he's not playing his best football. And so the fan base got a little cranky when they saw him come back out on the field. They wanted the uh, backup quarterback in. Um, according to Blake Anderson, there were guys that were on the sidelines that were yelling at the uh, at Logan Bonner and yelling at the coaching staff uh, specifically, and he didn't like that. So after the game, he let those let, let his voice be heard. Like, this guy just got you a conference championship. guy just got you 11 wins, and you turn on him just like that. I'm not buying that. And so he called out a fan base. Obviously, fans don't like to be called out by a head coach who's just lost to Weber State, so they reacted as you would expect. And so it's, uh, it's gotten a little – Got a little tense. I do think that um, Blake Anderson has come recently and said, hey, look, you know, let's figure this thing out. You know, it's not, I wasn't talking about every fan. I'm just talking about a select few. And, yeah, there was a, uh, a defensive player who tweeted out, look, if you can't cheer for us, stay home. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, uh, let's just say, you know, the circus is in town a little bit. There's a lot of stuff going on, and, and, and this team needs to focus and get past that stuff and start playing some uh, big boy football and get this thing back on track. So I wanted to look at them uh, offensively, Scotty, and because I think one of the things I don't I didn't necessarily think this defense was going to be great, but you figured even with Bonner coming off the ACL injury that this would be a, a positive offense. But so far, EPA per play, they're 89th in the country. Didn't look great against UConn either on that set that end. So what is it up to this point that you've seen from this offense uh, that has caused this kind of stuck in neutral start? You know, it's a really good question because I'm with you. Uh, I looked at when I projected the season, I thought, okay, defensively, they may have some work to do. But offensively, they were so good last year. And a quarterback's back, uh, they should be just fine. Um, Logan Bonner hasn't played well, and he'd be the first to admit it. He's just uh, trying to trust that knee and trying to trust himself. And this offense uh, with new receivers has been a bit of a challenge. And the receivers, uh, they did lose three receivers, their top three receivers, two of which are still in NFL on NFL teams right now, and, uh, and and so they just haven't gotten the same page, and I think they'll get there. Like, I, I, I think they'll figure it out. These are talented wide receivers that have either been on the team or transferred in. I feel like they're going to get it clicking eventually. It just hasn't clicked yet. And, um, you know, the way Utah State plays, I think defensively, uh, 
Uh, they've been trying to man up those receivers and jamming them at the lines, and these receivers are having a hard time getting out, getting into the breaks. And, and because of that, it's taken the timing out of the offense. Uh, the offensive line has had some struggles as well. And it just, you know, it just feels like, you know, you can't get that car into gear. You're driving that, that Mustang, and it's just, you know, for whatever reason, you're trying to grind the gears, and it just isn't popping into place. And you feel like the clutch isn't, you know, working, and you're like, what, what's going on? It, this should work. And it's just not working. And that's what they spent this whole last bye week doing a lot of soul searching and, and uh, you know, scouting themselves and trying to figure out what they can do to get this uh, engine going again. Scotty G, host of uh, Hans and Scotty G in Salt Lake on the zone. He's the voice of the Aggies at Utah State. Uh, injury-wise, also some injuries coming up lately, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Couple big ones. Philip Pia, defensive tackle, he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. One of those receivers we've been talking about, Kyle Van Leeuwen, who I really like. He uh, suffered a knee injury as well, so he's out uh, for the remainder of the season. So those are a couple big losses, especially uh, on that defensive line going up against uh, what should be a really good offense and a really good rushing attack by UNLV. That's that's a concern. Yeah, how much have you been keeping an eye on what UNLV has done? Uh, I don't know how good North Texas is. I think solid Idaho State's not good, but they put up. 50-plus points in both, and it looks like they've got a pretty multifaceted offense. Well, and that's the thing. And, and you know, in talking to the coaches this week and doing the coaches' show, they certainly love the running back, the transfer from Louisville. They certainly like the, uh, the receiver from Michigan State. Um, and Brumfield's really kind of settled into his own in the dual threat. Uh, I assume that they'll try to throw all kinds of spies at him because uh, certainly, you know, a guy that can hurt you not only with the uh, through the air but uh, with his feet. Uh, it is a concern. This is Look, I mean, we all remember the game last year. I mean, Utah State had to go on that drive late uh, to win that game in Las Vegas. That's a game that, frankly, uh, between us, I don't think this show makes it up to Logan, Utah, so I think we can say this between us, that UNLV probably should have beat Utah State last year. Um, You know, Utah State was one of the many games last year that they were able to find a way to win, and they just had things. There was just something about last year's team where even when they weren't playing their best football, they found ways to win. They had great leadership, great moxie. And when the game was on the line, they found a way to get it done. And they got to find that same kind of vibe that they had last year because uh, if, if they don't play well against UNLV, this coaching staff knows very well that, that the Rebels are more than capable of coming in and, and putting it on Utah State because uh, as close as that game was last year, UNLV appears to be a much better team this year than they were last. Well, I have a lot of trust in Blake Anderson you know, turning things around You know, as someone who's uh, covering UNLV and working the sidelines. I hope it doesn't happen this weekend but i really admire blake anderson he's a stand-up guy he's a good coach i you know i've come to understand you know rallying around his guys and getting at the fans a little bit i understand the process there and you know we just spent about eight minutes before he came on talking about the video that blake anderson did and you know talking about his son and this guy has been through so much and to sit there and do that video i thought was amazing yeah he's Honestly, you know, and we all work with coaches and, and we all are around to cover different coaches. And I've, you know, whether it's, you know, Utah, BYU that I cover down in Salt Lake City or the Jazz or, or you know, doing my stuff at Utah State. I've never been around a coach that's his forthcoming, uh, easy to work with in the media, relatable, and, and it's just overall just a genuinely good person. And frankly, the hell this guy has had to go through from a personal standpoint, losing his wife, losing his dad and and then losing his son and his, his brothers dealing with uh, stage four cancer. I mean, this guy has gone through uh, a, a level of hell in his life that no nobody should ever have to endure. And and he handles it well. Um, he 
He keeps a, a positive attitude, um, and and frankly, I admire the man. I'm you know, I know this sounds kind of dumb to say, but you know, from uh, from how he handles adversity in his life, you know, the the guy should be thought of as a hero because the way that he's able to have some level of positivity, he has every reason in the world uh, to 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 be miserable at the world, to hate the world around him for some of the cards that he's been dealt. And he handles it as well and as poised and as gracious as anybody I've ever met. And he's just genuinely a good person. He's he's impossible not to root for. Scotty G, Salt Lake Radio Star on the voice of the Aggies at Utah State. Rebels going to be heading to Logan for a 4 o'clock Pacific start uh, right here on ESPN Las Vegas pregame with Russ. And Caleb goes down at 3.30. So last one, let's – Let's go back to, you know, some of the back and forth between the coach, the players, and the fans. The herd is a really good cheering section, the the students. And I know I saw some messages from them. They were really angry. What sort of crowd is going to be there? Are they going to get over this and, and actually show up and support the team on Saturday? Uh, that's a million-dollar question. I, I would certainly hope so. I, I would – look, I mean, come on. You know, it's, it's going to be a beautiful Saturday afternoon in northern Utah. There's not a lot left to do. Let's get out there, and, 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 and people should be there at the game. It's going to be a great atmosphere and against two, two good teams. So uh, I would hope so. I don't know what the, uh, what the hangover effect from what the last two weeks. It certainly, I think, is helpful that there's a bye week and some cooler heads. Hopefully it can prevail here because uh, Utah State needs a good crowd to turn this thing around. And, and so I anticipate it will probably be a pretty good crowd. I think the students will still show up. Uh, but your guess is as good as mine. You know, when it – Rolls around 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But hopefully it's a good crowd and a good atmosphere because this game certainly deserves that. Last minute here. This is very important. When uh, the broadcast crew for UNLV hits the road, um, we like to go out and enjoy the city that we're in. I have been to Logan a bunch of times. It's not a late-night city, so I'm going to shift the focus to is there a breakfast joint that we need to hit as we're getting ready for the game. Do you have some recommendations? Am I putting you on the spot here? Do you want to text me? You got anything? No, no, no. Yeah. All right. So when you get in, uh, you know, when you get on Friday night, um, go swing by the White Owl and go get yourself a garlic burger. Right. Uh, mm. It's one of the few places you can get an adult beverage. So, uh, so you, you go hit the White Owl, and then on uh, Saturday morning, go hit Herms and um, and uh, grab yourself the Eggs Benedict at Herms. It's, it's solid. All You'll right. like it. This is what we need. Uh, I asked one of our friends, uh, Roxy Bernstein, to give me advice, and then I ignored it. And Cal, we were in Berkeley a couple weeks ago, and it was just so-so. So I kind of I, – I asked for advice. I didn't go to the place. So this this time around, Scotty G's got us all, all hooked up. So I'm definitely going to your places. So appreciate it. Thank you so much. Always got your back, man. I appreciate it. All right, Scotty. There he is. So like radio star Scotty G, we went to the White Owl uh, last time around because they had the uh, low ABV beers – we had to drink, like, buckets of beer to get, like, a little buzz. Oh, and we're all like, there. oh, my God, we feel so heavy. Um, so I didn't try the garlic burger. That, that's pretty much a certainty I'll do that. And I'm, I'm interested in Herms, real interested. I'm not a big Eggs Benedict guy. Just Nor I, am I. I've never really tried it, so I'll have to do that. Can I point for something football-related out really quickly? Yes. It's why I like things like Pro Football Focus. You know who the second highest-graded passer in the Mountain West is at this point right now? Logan Bonner. Wow. You know who's number one? Well, we got fired. Doug Brumfield. Yeah, Doug Brumfield has been amazing. And then when you add what he's doing on the ground, sick stuff as he's running really well. He had 100 yards on the ground last week. Four o'clock hours on the way. Big four at four. 
So we'll talk to Brad Powers towards the end of the hour with his college football picks.